I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. I don't know if you saw that at the beginning. Uh, I am a man. My pronouns are man and man. Uh, and if you doubt that, just check the chromosomes. They don't change. But more than just, you know, from a biological standpoint, being a man, what I want and what God wants is for us to be men as he defines it. Well, how does he define it? We're going to get into that today. And Judy, Loretta, good to see you guys out there. Chat is open if you're watching live. Uh, I would encourage all women to stick with this one because it's not just men that need to know what uh, what a man should be, but it, it's women for multiple reasons because women influence men. And if you're single, you need to know what kind of man you can depend on and that you really want to partner your life with. And especially if you're a mother, grandmother, raising a young boy, this is, this is the secret to reliable, dependable, good men because you're not going to get it from society. You're not even going to get it from Disney these days. So we're going to give you some good news here. My guest is J. Josh Smith. He is the pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Athens, Georgia. Uh Maggie's. Sorry, I had to get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Life Today Live. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Randy. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. It's hard to say that when the Aggies are not good and the Bulldogs are so good, but I had to get that in there. Anyway. Got to do it. Uh, one other question, because we're going to get to the serious stuff, but Prince Avenue Baptist Church, what a great name for a church. Did you move your church to Prince Avenue to have that name, or did you change the name of a street after you, the church was there? No, so the church, uh, well, it's even more interesting than that. The church was on Prince Avenue historically since 1912, which is a big thoroughfare in Athens, really right, leading right to the University of Georgia. Hmm. But it is no longer on Prince Avenue. So we are <laughs> Prince Avenue Baptist Church about 15 minutes from Prince Avenue. Oh, that's hilarious. Right. But they kept the name. I would keep the name, too. It's a great name. It's a good name. All right. So I want to show people the book. Uh, this is the Titus 10. Uh, and I know you're going, okay, Titus, that's that tiny little book somewhere close to the end of the New Testament. Uh, and it's like it's like a letter to a guy. And what what? Walk us through a little bit of the, the framework before we get into the specifics of, of the book of Titus and, and what you're deriving from it. Sure. Yeah. So I was a, um, a senior pastor actually in the Dallas, Texas area uh, for the first time when I was 32 years old, I entered into a church that still had charter members. Uh, the church was about 50 years old and I had some charter members and these were really good, faithful, godly men. They loved Jesus. They loved their church. They loved uh, their family and they were dying. I was doing their funerals. They were dying and I did not see any other men like them coming behind them. It worried me. And so I began to think I need to, I need to be involved and engaged here and raising up some more men like this. Mm -hmm. So prayed through that for a good amount of time. And one day just reading the 46 verses of Titus, you're right. We can often miss it. If your pages stick together in your Bible, you may miss the book and completely 46 verses. And I just started thinking there's a lot in here for men. And we can talk more about that, but uh, not only written from one great man to man to another great man, but Paul leaving Titus in this dysfunctional church says, hey, 
you got to find the right men and put them in place. And so it really is a, a book that has a lot to say for men. So I begin to teach 10 men at a time through the book of Titus for 10 weeks. I called it the Titus 10. And I've been doing that for about 15 years now, have taken hundreds of men uh, through the book of Titus and, uh, just it, it's got some really good stuff to say to men. Well, so that's okay. kind of the yeah, and we'll get to that obviously. But what what does it do for these men? What do you see on the the fruit that makes you keep doing this for all these years? Yeah, and that's the deal. Like every semester, I'll teach this and, and I'll say, okay, guys, I I'll do this again if you want to host a table and bring some guys with you. But I'm not going to just do this. And every time, more guys are winning, ready to do it. Wow. I think what I what I'm seeing is men know they're deficient. And men's ministry, I think 10, 15 years ago, used to really kind of promote itself by telling men how terrible they were. You guys are the worst. You guys are, and I don't think guys respond to that very well. They already know that. I know I'm deficient. Um, what guys are looking for is someone to encourage them and say, let me give you some practical steps here, some biblical groundwork to try to see how we can be better men at home, in the workplace, how we can understand our identity. Guys are hungry for this. So I'm not having to promote anything. And I think local church pastors are looking for a way to develop men in their church as well. You know, I, you talk about the ladies that are listening. I have four daughters. <laughs> I have one son, but I have four daughters. Yeah. I wrote this book because I have four daughters and I need at least four really good men. Yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, guys are, guys are wanting to be better. I, I saw the photo. Yours, yours, you're young enough that you, you, you're not walking them down the aisle yet, but man, <laughs> I do. I had two, I have two daughters, both married now, the youngest one married last year. Man, will you walk that girl down the aisle and you give her to another man? That is, oh, you you have to learn to trust God because you're not going to trust that man no matter how good he is with your daughter. I, I, I really don't want to talk about that. I'll be honest. I don't know if I can handle that for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> My first is about to graduate from high school and I'm already sad, so let's don't go there. Okay, I'll spare you that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get to the Titus 10. Take us through one of these principles just so people can get a taste uh, and, and some substance here because this really is important. I mean, it's it's you look... I, I get it. I expect the world to act like the world and sinners to act like sinners. So I'm, I'm, I'm not totally surprised. But yet at the same time, you just go, good gosh, what is right. what is going on out there? You're so exactly walk, right. us, walk us through some of the good things. Sure. So, you know, I used to, when I first began to do this, I took guys expositionally verse by verse through the book of Titus. And after doing that for years, I began to see some themes emerge for men. And so this book is really 10 foundational principles for every man of God. And it begins where we have to begin, which is Genesis 1 and 2. I had someone tell me when I was in seminary, if you can get Genesis 1 through 3 right, you can get the rest of the Bible right. And I didn't understand it. It took me 10 years or so to understand what they meant. But all of the things we're seeing with the change of gender and marriage and all of this, that's all Genesis 1 and 2. I mean, we have to get Genesis 1 and 2 right. So I go back and I see the picture of manhood in Genesis 1 and 2 and talk about this idea of dominion which by dominion, this is how I begin the book with the word dominion. Uh, dominion is to work and to keep. So what I say in the book is this, uh, guys don't need to be afraid of the word dominion because what dominion really means practically is every area that God has entrusted to you, every domain. And I, I say there are uh, four primary domains, a man's flesh, a man's church, a man's family, and a man's workplace. Dominion means every one of those areas are better because you're there. That's what dominion means. Dominion is to work and to keep. I, get, I, I want to interrupt for a second because 
I think the connotation in most people's minds when you say the word dominion is to to lord over, to rule. Yeah. And you're saying yeah. that's actually not the original no. connotation. That's interesting. Not, not at all. To, to take dominion over the earth was to, to work the earth, to cultivate the earth. And that's a good word. Like as a dad, for me to take dominion over my family means to cultivate, to prepare the groundwork in my home and in my family so my children can grow and thrive. Wow. And dominion, you know, I, I say dominion is to work and keep. So every man wakes up every morning with a plow in one hand. He's ready to work hard and cultivate the land God's given him and whatever he's given him and a sword. I'm a protector. That's what oh, dominion is. Yeah. If a woman understands dominion right, she will long for her husband to live in it hmm. because she wants everything around her to thrive. Wow. Okay. That is, that is really big. I mean, I've, I've, I've been around a while. <laughs> <laughs> and that is eye opening yeah. and, and and that is life giving and encouraging right. and because wow i mean that's just yeah i don't know dude, right I, I do interviews every day and i hear a lot of good things but that is perspective changing mm. that, okay so well, keep keep going walk us through. well and that's how we start we start the book with that we start the book and and again the tone of the book is really one of of what you how you just responded. I want to be edifying and encouraging. Mm-hmm. I want to be biblical, but I my goal is not to make a guy feel worse about himself, but to say, do you realize that God has called men and women both to take dominion, Genesis one and two, but for a man to lead the way in that, and just giving a guy a vision of every area you touch being better because you showed up. So I talk about dominion, then I go to gospel, and the reason I do is because manhood has been shattered by sin. Everything has been shattered, but manhood has been shattered. I always, I like to give this little visual picture of an egg being hit with a tack hammer. You can't put that back together. Well, that's our manhood. It can't just be pieced back together. And so the way it gets pieced back together is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so piece by piece, as we come to understand who we are, uh, the book of Titus has two really rich and beautiful gospel passages. Um, The gospel is teaching us then, Jesus Christ is teaching us how to be a man again. And so no one knows how to be a man naturally. And that's what I want to say to guys. Like, you don't, you don't know how to be a man. No one knows how to be a man. Uh, we learn to be a man as we look to the man, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ begins to put our life back together. Or or we learn it wrong uh, by looking at the world. But most often, I find, we learn it wrong through imperfect fathers. Do you see a lot of men who come in who have a bad father figure in their lives. And and I mean, that's it. So I, you know, I did a men's retreat last weekend. I I love to do these. And I did one last weekend and I came home and told my wife, the the thing about a man's retreat is that there's the time that you speak. And then there's the time after when everybody comes and tells you their story. (laughs) And generally a lot of them are the same, but I, you know, I go in the book from dominion to gospel and then I go to identity. And here's the reason I go to identity is because there's this beautiful passage, um, this beautiful moment in which God the Father opens up heaven and he speaks audibly to Jesus in his baptism. And he says, hey, see that? That's my son, my beloved son on whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. And what I say is this, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl wants to hear these words from his dad. You're mine. I love you. And I'm pleased with you. Well, most of us never hear those. And so we're in this constant search of who we are. And we try to define ourselves in a thousand different ways. But I'm telling you, I can be in a, in a room full of the manliest men ever. And when I talk about that, every man begins to crumble mm. because he knows deep inside of his hole and every girl needs it too. They need to hear that. And so what happens is when we come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, God begins to give us a new settled identity. 
You're mine, I love you, and I'm proud of you. And so he begins to build us back together, but you're right, it's the lack of that which has caused us to search who we are. And all of the issues we're dealing with in our culture of men and women and not knowing who they are, it's all identity. Mm. Well, it comes from a lack of anyone speaking identity into them. And so I wanna try to get the hold of a man and say, let me help you understand who you are in Christ. So you, you said that you walked into a church and, and you were doing the funerals of these charter members that have been there forever, and you saw a difference between those men and the men that were coming up, uh, which obviously strikes you as it strikes me as not the way it should be, especially right. in the church. Um, I mean, I know you're, you're doing everything you can to do it right, and there are a lot of other men who are as well, but I, I have we just missed it in the church or do you think that maybe that's a part of the enemy's plan is if I can get the men in the church to be ineffective, then the rest will just domino follow or fall apart. Or or are we doing a good job? And I just don't see it. What do you think in the church? Um, Yes to everything you said, but what I would say, there's a generational shift. So a previous generation tended to be more committed to their local church. They would give themselves more to that where now this generation treats the local church in a way that they shouldn't. And so I talk about that in the book, but here, here's what I would say even more to that, Randy. Um, a previous generation believed that manhood was about one word provision. Okay. Yeah. I just got to take care of my family. Yeah. You saw a lot. Of I that. provide for them. Uh-huh. We define manhood in one thing. If a guy was distant at home, he overworked, but he brought home a paycheck, he felt like he was a man. And that's not manhood. As a matter of fact, what I would say is this. I meet a ton of guys who feel so confident in their work that they work, 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 and they don't come home and work because they just feel insecure at home. They don't know how to be a good husband or a good father, so they avoid being home. But a man that gives all of his energy to the workplace and doesn't give his energy at home is not a man's man. He's not taking care of the dominions, uh, the domains that God has given him. I mean, listen, our family is the primary domain God's given us. And most men feel very insecure going home and trying to do something there. I say to guys all the time, here's my paradigm for life. Go to work, work hard, go home, work hard and go to bed tired. (laughs) Um, So I, you know, I I think um, the previous generation really looked at as long as I'm providing, I'm okay. And I want to call guys into being better than that. Yeah. Okay. You used a work a word a couple of times there, work, work, work. And, and work harder. Right. Uh, a, a lot. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to indict an entire generation here, <laughs> but, yes, but uh, it does come to mind that, that work is a trait that, uh, I don't think people understand because they view it as, uh, draining as, mm-hmm something I don't want to do that I have to do. Uh, but scripturally work actually is a good thing, especially for men. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, work was precursed, right? But God called Adam and Eve to take dominion over the whole earth, which means to work and to keep cultivate the earth before sin. So sin was not, I mean, work was not part of the curse. Work is good. And we were created to work. The greatest tactic of the enemy, I believe in a man's life is to get him to be passive. If he can get a man to be passive, he wins. Passive at home, passive at church, passive in his own fight over his flesh. And the opposite of passivity is is work. And so I talk about spirit-fueled, Christ-exalting work. I mean, it has to be the work of the spirit. It's not just fleshly work. So I need the help of God's grace. But everything in life requires work. I mean, that's dominion. It's, it's, it's work. I love being home. I love my children. I'm, I'm just saying that it is the greatest joy of my life. 
Parenting is work. It is. <laughs> oh my word. Marriage is work. Marriage I love my wife. My wife is easy. I'm the complicated one. My wife's easy. Um, but marriage is work and, and everything in life requires work. And, you know, I often tell people, um, we treat our spiritual lives like nothing else. You know, you don't think that you're just going to passively become good at the piano or golf or anything else. Yeah. But we somehow think we'll just passively become a Christian that that does well. And what I want to say is, no, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We we apply some effort to being the kind of man. And so I want to get men in a room and I want to say, hey, let's work this. Like, let's be better men. And I'm challenging guys to take this book and gr- get a group of guys around them and say, let's work at this. Let's, let's try to learn how to be a better man. Well, I, you know, if we shift our paradigm, we look at work as cultivating and, and preserving Right. That's a whole different outlook than now having to do something I don't want to do or exert myself in a way that's going to exhaust me mentally and or physically. It's just yeah. a whole different thing because I, I like to cultivate. I think most men like to, to see results from their efforts to, you know, the cultivation and they like to maintain the good that is in their lives, whether it's, we, we see it literally, but when you're talking relationally, yeah, I mean, I think it changes everything. All right, I want to, I want to, I want to talk to the ladies for a second. But I'm going to show this book again. This is the Titus Ten by Josh Smith, J. Josh Smith. If you want to Google that, you'll find him better from the other Josh Smiths in the world. Uh, and we're talking about these foundations for godly manhood, which is not, it, it's, it's not the picture of boring church life that you might imagine. This is actually fulfillment, happiness. Mm-hmm. I find. Josh, that I've got some things I'm working on that are outside of my, you know, the ministry work here. Um, and when I go home and I, I watch a hockey game or a football game or maybe too much Netflix and I go to bed without doing some of that work, I feel worse about myself. Yeah. But if I will, if I will spend a little bit of time cultivating that which God has given me and do the work, uh, I actually feel refreshed and more energetic. But here's here's my question for the ladies uh, that are watching now or later. What do they get when men get this? <laughs> uh, and I honestly said I, when they the first book first came out, you know, this marketing company was hired to help. And yeah. they said, we really want to press in the idea that you wrote a book for men and have four daughters. And I go, I know, because what I've discovered is this. When men are the men they are supposed to be, the women around them thrive. Yeah. They're not oppressed. They thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, when men understand uh, dominion as I want to cultivate my home so that the women around me can thrive and I want my church to be cultivated so women can thrive. That, I, I felt like every time I was writing a sentence in this book, I wanted to say, like make some apology to women or tip my hat to women. And I thought I got to just write a men's book. And what I got to realize is if a woman, so I, I did an interview two days ago and a lady interviewed me for an hour and she had read the book and she goes, I want these kind of men. <laughs> yeah, like right. these are the kind of guys we need. And I said, yeah. I know I'm for you ladies. I'm for you. I'm trying to help you. I want, so, you know, uh, she's buying these for her husband and all of her guys at Christmas, you know, but I just, um, I, I really believe that in the presence of humble, good, faithful, godly men with good character, women thrive. No doubt. Uh, I mean, you, you look at all the women that have been hurt in life by lousy men. 
who mm. either were lazy or domineering or just completely yeah. ungodly. It just it just leaves a wake of destruction. Uh, and and huh, I, I you just you want to scream this. I know you're doing it calmly with ten men around a table at a time, but you just want to scream this message in the culture and go this. No, this is the path to to health, to right. happiness. You know, right. to to life, and of course, the culture's moving in a complete opposite direction. I think that. Well, okay, let me ask you this because you, you've taken a lot of men through this, so I'm I'm sure you have some drastic testimonies of lives and families and fathers completely turned around, and 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 it just 180 degree difference in the family. I'm get you've seen this multiple times. I do. What I would say is this. Um, I, I end this book with a little thing uh, that I learned actually from someone else uh, that direction matters more than distance. So every guy is distance oriented. I mean, I think everybody is like, I want to go here. I want to be this guy. I'll say, okay, okay, that's great. I want you to be that guy too. But the way you get there is by going in the right direction day after day after day. Yeah. So one of the things I try not to do a lot is say, uh, hey, at the end of this book, you're going to be this. I with every chapter and every time I teach, I want to point guys in the right direction, walk in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then if you walk in the right direction every day, what you'll realize is you go a really far distance. Mm -hmm. So one thing I say is if you take care of direction, God will take care of distance. So have I seen dramatic life change? I have, but what I see more of is guys headed in the right direction and moving toward that life change, yeah. which takes time. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's, that's wisdom. That, that's wisdom. Good. Do you think you can do this on my own uh, without, you know, that annoying local church down the street? Can I just do it uh, online? Uh, I think men are uh, built in the context of community. I hate to say it, so I'm sorry. I just, isolation, we talked about passivity. Isolation is one of the other enemies. A man, Proverbs says, a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, and goes against all sound wisdom. In other words, it is really dumb <laughs> alone. So um, I think what I've seen as a pastor, having done like boots on the ground, having done this, multi-generational relationships, older men, younger men together in the context of some kind of small group working through something together is your best chance of growing as a man. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll, I mean, I'll leave it at that. I, and so what I tell people to do is I said, grab the book. Find some guys, invite an older guy into the process with you because you think that older guy doesn't understand you. He understood you before you were born. Uh, <laughs> get in a room and y'all spend the next 10, 11 weeks together and not only just read, but do the questions and talk about it and discuss that. That type of community is extremely important. Yeah, it, it really is. And unfortunately, technology has made it easier to be isolated uh, and then COVID forced isolation. But I think we're starting to understand the negatives of isolation uh, and so it's not as hard of an argument as it might have been at one time. We, we, we need each other. I want to ask you this about Titus, because okay. obviously this is the sort of the inspiration source for a lot of your, your, what, you're, what you're putting out there. Wasn't, was, was, he a, was he a young leader? He wasn't a slave, was he? No, so it's interesting. It, uh, there's only 13 references to Titus in the New Testament, and you've got to really dig. Yeah. Uh, and I do this in the introduction to the book. What you start to discover is Titus different than Timothy. Timothy feels like a son in the faith, a young man uh, that Paul noticed and brought him along. Titus seems to be more of a co-worker. Uh, I don't know if he's the same age or not, but 
um, Paul sent Titus on his most difficult assignments. So when Paul needed to go to Jerusalem in Acts 15 for the Jerusalem Council, a very tense meeting, he brought Titus with him as a proof that you can be a believer and not be circumcised. Uh, when Paul needed to send a very difficult letter to the church at Corinth, he sent it with Titus uh, because they seem to have chewed up and spit Timothy out the first letter. And then when there's this super dysfunctional church in Crete, I mean, crazy, where there's those rebellious men who are tearing the church apart, he sends Titus. Interesting. So Titus comes across as this really trusted friend. Um, oh, so a, a Gentile? A Gentile. What, and a, do you think maybe he was, and when I say tough guy, I don't mean it like in the comical movie yeah. sense, but I mean maybe someone that Paul wasn't worried about, you know, getting chewed up and spit out, but like no this question. guy can hold his own. No question. No question that th there are three instances of very difficult assignments where Paul could have picked somebody and he sent Titus. And even in, when it says in Titus 1, it says, Paul Paul says, Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, that you might put what remains in order. And it goes on to say in Titus 1, there's these rebellious men that are tearing families apart. They call them evil beasts and lazy gluttons. And Paul says, this is true. This is what they're like. And he says, Paul, I want you to speak. He says, Titus, I want you to speak with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Oh, Rebuke wow. them and exhort them. So Titus is a courageous man, a faithful friend, um, and he's got some difficult work to do. Uh, a strong man, uh, strong someone who man. couldn't be intimidated. Now, this sounds like Titus was the kind of man that we want to be. That's it. Well, and so you've got one man writing to another man, Paul writing to Titus. One of the reasons I chose this letter is because I want to be a Titus. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I tell in the book, um, there's a story behind this, but I like to ask guys often, what kind of, what Bible character do you identify with? That's a really good question for any person, but I like to ask it to men. And I say, think about it for a while. Take a couple of weeks and say, what kind of character would I like to be like? And no one over 15 years of asking people <laughs> that question have ever said Titus. <laughs> Nobody. It's really sad to me. I hope after this book, people start saying Titus, because Titus was faithful, courageous, good friend, companion. He's a guy you want to be like. Yeah. I always said Thomas because I was always the guy that like, I, I got a, <laughs> I got a touch for myself. I, I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah. once I believe it, I'm like, okay, I'll go to the death for that. Yeah. You that's know? it. So, yeah. but man, you got me thinking I might have to, you know, think about Titus a little bit. I'll think about Titus. You, you, I need a, a tight black t-shirt with white lettering that says, Titus man or something. I don't know. He, it is a good, strong name. And you don't meet a lot of kids named Titus. It's just, we should do something about that. So hopefully this will stir it up. Uh, it's up to you because I've had my children. You can add a second son to the quiver if you want. I am 48 and I, my youngest is a seven. I'm done. <laughs> Way too what I got now. Last so. question for you, because you mentioned okay. sitting down and obviously the book is out now. You can get it wherever you get books. And wow. I mean, if, if, if you're Christmas shopping, you, you're not like me and wait until about December 23rd. Uh, you're planning ahead. This would be a, a nice little one to just, you know, you don't have to heavy hand it. But that's right. I yeah. This would be a good book uh, for any <laughs> any man in your life. Even someone like me who, I, I mean, I consider, I, I do my best. I think I'm going in the right direction. This this book, I'm like, okay, where, where's my copy? I'm going to. I'm going to work through this and I want my yeah. sons to read, you know, to, yeah. to get these because it's godly principles. So mm -hmm. uh, there's that, but uh, you, do you have, or do you have plans for any type of uh, series where you walk people through the whole thing? 
in, in a video or audio format? Sure. Well, I do it at my church every semester. So uh, we've talked about just recording that and putting it out there and that yeah. may be helpful because, but one of the reasons I'm hesitant when I do it with a group of guys, community, I share stuff that I didn't want to put in print. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I'm hoping nobody records. I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to tell you something about my dad here. I'm going to tell you something about this. Don't record. Let me just tell you something. Yeah, yeah. So I do tend to be a little bit more honest. And I think what, what's helpful is this book stirs that up. So if a group of guys do it together, the way I'm seeing it work is, uh, you know, a pastor says, Hey, read this. And then maybe I'll teach through it, but let's just discuss it. A group of guys get together and just discuss it. What happens is this stirs up their own stories. Yeah. So what I would rather happen is guys read this on their own, talk about on their own and have their own stories be what lead the way. I get it. I get it. And I think ultimately you're right. I just, um, I know some people would be interested in this, I guess, you know, Go to Athens, yeah. Georgia. Uh, yeah, that's and, well, and another thing is uh, people don't read as much as they used to. So hoping that a book is what changes people's lives is a bigger challenge than it used to be. No doubt. Uh, well, Josh, I, I really appreciate it. This has been really interesting. And I know for a lot of people, helpful conversation or start in the right direction because you're sure. right. It, it is it is work and it, it does take time and it's okay. People need to know that it is a journey. And, right. and you just get in the right, I like that. I, I, the visual there and the truth there, you, you just head in the right direction every day. You, every day. You'll get there. Anything you want to add before I let you go? No, I'm just, I, I appreciate the time today. It's been encouraging to me. I'm just passionate about helping raise up men. And I, as a young pastor, I couldn't find a resource that that fit the context. And so that's why I wrote this book. And I hope it's helpful. If anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me. I'd love to teach pastors or anybody how to use this. So thanks so much for your time today. Absolutely. And you can uh, check out his church at pabc.org, Prince Avenue Baptist Church.org. Uh, and obviously the book is available wherever you get books. So it's good. Uh, Judy says it does help a woman know she is truly loved. So mm. men, you want to show your wife that you love her, your daughters that you love them. That's right. Be a godly man. And mm. if you need a little direction, pick up the Titus 10 uh, and it'll put you on the right path. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, hit sharing, uh, hit, hit share, hit like it, subscribe, um, all those good things and, and come back. I've just got, it's a good lineup in December and we're, we're filling out January too. So Keep coming back. I'll keep offering the best I can find and bring to you because I enjoy this. It's encouraging to me, and I hope it's encouraging to you. See you next time here on Life Today Live.